Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a fantastic guest today. It's Frank Spitznagel. He's the musical director at the Magnet Theater here in New York City, and he's fantastic. He's so great. He makes shows better. And this is a super fun chat. Truly for anyone, if you know nothing about music, you will learn something. If you know nothing about musical improv, you will learn something. And if you do know something about music or musical improv, I think you'll still learn something. It's a really great talk. Why don't we just get right to it? Here's my chat with Frank Spitznagel. Frank, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, so you're a huge get. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. Well, it's an honor certainly to have you here. And you are, for those who haven't read the description (laughs) and don't go to the Magnet Theater, you're the musical director at the Magnet Theater. You are the piano accompanist uh, on the musical improv shows at the theater. Are you the musical lead for every musical show at the theater? I know you are for... Uh, all of the musical house team nights, but are and, you for all other shows as well? And for premiere, premiere, yes, uh, I which is that. all the teachers, pretty much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and it, there's it just since COVID, there's less piano players around, so I am ah. busier than I ever dreamt. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I and I don't know how do practices work i mean we i want to talk a little bit more about your background first but i'm just kind of curious since we're talking about the house teams and stuff when it comes to these teams practicing are you there with them at practice or do they have to find someone else like how does that work i'm available for a lot of them now again there's there's not that many piano players around so yeah we just we go over song structures the way songs are written Mm mm-hmm just a structure of a song. Mm-hmm. It has a chorus and it has a verse, just like, you know, real songs. And that's right. what, that's what right. I make sure we do. Yeah. And practice is make sure yeah. to, to hone that skill. Yeah. You know, one of the great things about the practice spaces in New York is that they all have a piano in them. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've been to one of the many practice spaces that I've been to that did not have a piano in the room. And it's wild. Cause there it's is, like, there is room. one. There is. I don't know if I should mention it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I just—it's just so funny. Every time I go into one, it's like, oh yeah, I guess they would need a piano in every room because it's New York. There are a lot of people who are practicing singing or something. Yeah, yeah. But That's... you mentioned structure of songs there. Let's go yeah. back to your starting in piano because I know that you have a degree in piano performance from the Boston Conservatory. Yes. Obviously, you'd been playing before that. When did piano start for you? It's a, As all my teachers said, you started very late. I started when I was like 18. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Or 17. It's just last year in high school. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I know that they always like put kids in the piano lessons in elementary school. So I guess that's what they're referring to. But why did it matter that you started at 17 or 18? Like, why was that a problem? <laughs> Because I didn't have those extra years as a as a child, I, I'm I'm assuming this is what the teachers were saying. Yeah, you know. But when I was 17, uh, it, it took two years to study and get into a conservatory. So I see. Yeah, you so know, it was it was condensed. Yeah, yeah. I get. I guess I get what they meant. But you know, when I hear you play, it's as good as anyone else I've heard play who's been playing for a while so it's like i don't know did that thanks thanks for the compliment <laughs> right i don't know that anyone i've heard who started at eight is any better per se you know like maybe it does make studying better though like a little easier for you yeah it's a lot of them who started at six or eight just lose interest oh yeah yeah i know a ton of people who started young who can play beautifully but they hate playing right yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't even know what that experience is like to be really, really good at something that you hate doing. But I'm glad. I don't you're, have yeah, that. you're kind of forced to do it. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you were were studying in Boston Conservatory. How was that experience? Because you did mention that it took you a couple of years to get into that conservatory. Yeah, it took a couple of years because I I did I hadn't been studying that long. So I, <laughs> yeah. I decided to to try it after a couple of years. My teacher mm -hmm. then suggested I try it. So Yeah, and so when you got into the conservatory, were you did you feel like you were up to par at that point? Did you or did you feel like you continued to feel behind? Pretty much. We, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't the the type of conservatory where it was that competitive. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. It was, but you know, we all became friends. It's a lot of conservatories, it's competitive and you cannot let yourself be friends with your competitor and all that stuff. Yeah. People you're competing against. Yeah. You know, we were all like, we were big fish in our small ponds at home. Mm -hmm. And then there was a bunch of us together yeah. in a, in a conservatory. So we were all, right. all that. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. And you're from New York, not New York city though. No, I'm from out on Long Island. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, being out on Long Island and, and doing stuff. Yeah. I, I guess that can feel like big fish, small pond, but then you go yeah. to Boston where everyone's going for <laughs> music study. 85 uh, schools in the area and, yeah. and many of them music schools. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Berkeley is there and so much is there. Berkeley is right around the corner from Boston Conservatory. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're rubbing shoulders with a lot of people outside of school who are there for the same reason or similar reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I took some grad courses at the New England Conservatory, which is again just around the block from Boston Conservatory and around the block from Berkeley. So yeah, it was it was very cool. And there was some infighting, oh, jazz against classical and everything. I was like, you know what? I liked it all. And I ended yeah. up playing uh, theater music. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just about to ask what your favorite was at the style at the time, but you liked all the styles. I did. Absolutely. Yeah. And that really serves you in theater playing, in, in theater 
uh, music because it's there's so many different genres that you have to sure. play towards in in theater and musical improv as well. Right, right, right. So after you were done with school, the conservatories, did you stay in the Boston area or did you come back to New York? I stayed in the Boston area for a while. I I did some uh, theater in Massachusetts mm-hmm. and started out playing cocktail music in a restaurant and they wanted me to wait on tables. I was awful at that. I, I We used to have to serve strawberry shortcake and I, uh-huh. I just covered people with whipped cream all the time. So then they finally <laughs> said, okay, why don't we just give you these two, two tops or doubles, whatever they call them, like just a, a table of two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you, you play piano during the dinner hour, which I did. And that was fine. And then, oh, they, cool. you know, then it was a theater. So they had tours come through mm-hmm. and I just, I remember Shenandoah came through and they came, they came to the restaurant and they heard me play. I said, Oh, do you know, uh, you know, they had one, one of their guys who was on tour wanted to sing. And he asked me if I knew Danny boy. And I said, yeah, I can probably fake it. <laughs> and I did. And it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that part of it was fun. Not was, the waiting yeah. the tables. I oh bet. my god! Uh, just that's. It, it, I could only do one thing: was play piano. I could not do anything in the service industry or anything else like that. Yeah, I would drop everything all the time, or just be afraid that I was about to drop something. You mentioned something there that I've heard a bunch of musicians mention, which is faking it sometimes yeah. to like get through the song because you you. You kind of know the song, but you don't necessarily know maybe specifics, but you know enough to noodle around. Is that yeah. essentially what it is? Like yeah, what is fake, faking it? You have to be much more aware of every moment of the song because mm-hmm. you have to make every moment connect with with each other. Mm-hmm. As as if as opposed to if you know it, you're just playing it. You know, but faking it is. Uh, I don't know. It's it's not a good term because you think, oh, you just, you know, do. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it does. That's why I kind of wanted to talk about it, because I think a lay person maybe doesn't like I know what people mean when they say it. Yeah. Uh, but you are actually playing. If someone listens, to yeah. it, think you were faking it. They would think, you know, the song. But um, <laughs> yeah, I did some short form improv and and I saw faking it a lot. You know, you'd get a suggestion like in it, you'd do a regular scene and then somebody would call out uh, Woody Allen or or a film noir and you had to do a scene in that style. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't do it if you didn't know what that style is. Right. Or, uh, or what's the fast uh, mammoth? Yeah. Mammoth style. And <laughs> yeah. you really had to. Really... And that, these guys, is, oh my God, some of them were so good at doing that. Yeah. I don't know how people do it, do that kind of thing, that sort of mapping. And that was short style. form. That was my, I sort of cut my teeth on short form. Oh, as, as a performer or as a pianist? As a, as both. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, I did uh, shows. I did about yeah many tours, mm-hmm. the 48 states and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Chorus line. I, I always say, oh, I did like nine chorus line tours and Peter Pan and Sleeping Beauty and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I see. You also did Chicago City Limits. Chicago um, City Limits. Yeah. Yeah. Nonsense. So you did improv comedy, like you I performed did. improv. When did that start and where did that start? Must have been 95 or something like that. My wife saw an ad in the paper. 
I was away. I was home from a tour. I think mm-hmm. I'd just finished a Peter Pan. And she said, oh, look, why don't you know, try out for this? So it was auditions for short form improv, which I didn't know what that was at the time. I said, sure, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And I did. I was a, like 25 or maybe 50 piano players. And, and I got in. And I saw my, uh, my audition paper later on. He said, well, he doesn't know anything about improv, but he plays piano well. So, you know, <laughs> we'll give him a shot and see what happens. <laughs> so did that make you want to start learning a little bit more about improv, seeing that note? It was trial by fire. Was, I see. Yeah. I didn't take any classes. I just did the shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh. Throwing yourself into the deep end to learn how to oh, do yeah. things that happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did some bad things in the beginning. And my, <laughs> wi- my wife made fun of me for my announcing. You know, I at, at the end of Act 1, I go, it's a Chicago City Little. And I'd have to shout it out. And I was just very shy. And I was like, you're on a microphone and we still can't hear you. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. So you did that for a while. In like eight years, I did Chicago City Limits. Yeah. Yeah, wild. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And, and, and they were, they were industrials we did. I got to work with Daryl Hammond. I played oh. for Tim Meadows. Oh, he's great. Who did yeah. uh, Candyman. Mm-hmm. So we, we did that in some, some industrial. Oh, that's and awesome. Tim was, Tim was good, mm-hmm. but get to say, just hearing Billy Crystal, I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. So, oh yeah. But it was so exciting working with Tim. He was so nice. He was like, uh, I've heard he's a oh, nice Do you guy. think we could take, you know, take it down a step. I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So he was uh, very nice. Yeah. He's yeah. What was it like working with Daryl Hammond? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. <laughs> if anyone's it read his good. biography. He was really good. Yeah. 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 He, was, <laughs> he, um, he struggled with a lot of, uh, substance yes, he abuse, did struggle. So his, his Dan rather just blew me away. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I so good. Yeah, he is alarmingly good at yeah. impressions. It's kind of like, how does a person do that? Yeah, there are a couple other people like that where you go, I've heard your regular speaking voice and I don't see how you are how this it. possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how is this a thing that a person can do? All right, this, I think I can tell. Uh, Dalhammer was scheduled to do an industrial. Life. It was probably a uh, some drug company mm-hmm. before Viagra was around. That's mm-hmm. how, how long ago this was. <laughs> And, you know, we're all doing rehearsals and everything. And, you know, this is where Mr. Hammond would come in and say this and blah, blah, blah. And we had a guy who did impressions very well too. And he was, he was getting ready for it because Hammond wasn't coming. His plane was laid and blah, blah, blah. He came at the last minute and this guy had to like give it up. for Yeah. Like, uh, just a bad understudy story. Yeah. You come in, you're ready to do it. Yeah, that I've heard of, I bet you've heard of a lot of stories like that in music as well, where a band is ready to go, but then something gets, falls through, they, they suddenly can't do it. Yeah, that stuff happens a lot though, I guess. Yeah. I also know that you played with Ishak Perlman once. I did. How did that come about? That's really cool. It was at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. And it was called Claire's Detective Agency or something like that. And it was with a bunch of kids and David Friedman, who was, who hadn't, I don't think Beauty and the Beast was even out yet, but mm. he's famous for that, for right. conducting it and, and arranging it. And we had to pl- play a piece by Benny Gol- Golson. Uh-huh. Benny Golson. Yeah. Great jazz composer. He wrote, I think, Killer Joe. 
you know, big band stuff and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talked with him and, you know, he gave me the piece to play on piano. He said, oh, that's great. But I want the Lincoln Center Orchestra, the youth orchestra to play it. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll, you know, I'll play along with him. And the youth orchestra was, this guy's a jazz composer. So the youth orchestra was very Juilliard, very strict. And, <laughs> and he wanted it to to swing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it wasn't the piece was something like cool little swing to it and everything and the mm -hmm. orchestra swing yeah whatever right like oh my god and it's like perlman heard me play it and it convinced benny golson to use me and him playing it. Oh, very cool. And some guy, and I don't remember, I think his name was Archie. Some guy on the spoons. <laughs> he was like a spoon virtuoso. Well, How, it was amazing. Swing is one of those things that it, it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to get, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, absolutely. it's, it's a feel in music that if you're not right. used to, right, it can be explained in just playing, you know, eighth notes as triplets, but there's, mm -hmm. a, there's so many variants there. Right. So it's not exactly triplets. I, yeah. I had a, I had a drummer once playing little shop and the, and the song feed me, you know, feed me, da -da 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 -da, feed me. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be straight eights or straight sixteens, however it's written. Like on a hi hat, chicka, 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 and this guy, he played in a uh, Dave Matthews cover band. Mm -hmm. Really good drummer, couldn't get the straight eights. Uh -huh. He would just do dip it, 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 like it's not exactly triplets, uh -huh. but it's just it's not the straight feel. If you listen to to those all the all the orchestras that play Little Shop, mm -hmm. it's all feed me. It's all right. straight, which is cool. It's still yeah. fun. But he was like, da, 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 just, just slightly swung. And I was like, oh, no, we can't do that. Tried it like three times with him. And I was like, nope, all right, he's not going to get this. We're just going to go with that. It's so wild and, how, like, just that, that little nuance can throw the whole thing off. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen. I think it's Hell, Hell, Rock and Roll, the the documentary from the 80s that was, it might have been Chuck Berry's 60th birthday or something. Oh, like wow. That. Probably not 60th. I don't know what birthday it was, but it was like a birthday thing for Chuck Berry. And the band leader was Keith Richards, and who's a great player. Yeah. But there, were a couple, there was some song that he just could not get the opening lick right for. And they kept going back and forth, trying to just like learn it. And it just got to the point where Chuck Berry just had to be the one to play that, that yeah. part <laughs> because, and it was like bizarre to see because it's Keith Richards. Like you've never seen him not play something. So it was, it's wild how like a little, just a nuance or a feel thing can, can really just be like, you're not going to get this right now. Yeah. I think they're about. 10 years apart in their heyday in their career. Mm -hmm. And Keith Richards was such a, such a blues player. Yeah. And 
And Chuck Berry is like straight on, you know, heavy groove rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So I can see that. I can see that there's a, just a, a slight, a slight nuance there. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's just so bizarre how like that nuance can really throw things off. And then also like, if you're trained, like you were mentioning the, the orchestra, not quite getting <laughs> at the Lincoln center, not quite. And the conductor the too was like, doing oh, this. wow. Yeah. 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 I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you kidding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also a documentary, the Eagles hell freezes over when they're rehearsing a song with the orchestra and yeah. Don Henley went over to their band leader, I guess. And was like, they're playing it like white people. <laughs> he was like, it's, it's the blues. Like it's gotta have more blues feel to it. I know. Oh my God. I have to say that in classes all the time. And of course, you know, I, I don't want to be politically incorrect, but right. yes, it is that if you're, you know, if you're clapping, I don't know, whatever song it is, if you clap again, the one and the three and yeah. The one, yeah, it's just it's a, a different, <laughs> and it's the accent that of clapping on the one and the three that throws it off. Right. Yeah. And it needs to be like, like a jazz piece, you know, doom, 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 that's on the two and four, but when people are doing musical improv, they like to, you know, clap and stomp and do all the, all the things in, as a performance. And I was like, no, I played with too many drummers not to have you play on, uh, to do your thing on two and four. And they were right. like, what does that, what does that mean? And then I have to explain. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I feel like, so now let's talk about the structure and there are a couple of ways to uh, approach that because you've done at this point, by the time you get to Magnet, you've done so much. You've, you know, like you said, trial by fire. You've learned a lot of different styles, a lot of different things, a lot about structure of different styles of music. So you get to Magnet and you're the musical director and you are teaching classes. There's structure of the songs, which you alluded to earlier about like it's right. the first chorus. And then there's structure musically. When we talk about the musical structure of it, there people always sort of pitch musical improv as you don't have to be able to sing to do musical improv, which is true. That's but true. what it what it does mean is when those when when non-musical people take the class, they have to learn about music from you as well. They do. And just because you don't because you don't have to know how to sing, but you have to sing. Right. Right. You do have to, you know, there are a lot of people on Broadway who are not singers. So, mm -hmm. it, and it's still cool to listen to them because they're telling a story. Mm -hmm. They're talking on pitch and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. But they just don't know how to do the more the fancy vocal production. Yeah. Right. You know, breathing and the diaphragm and all that. Yeah. You, you can go to a voice teacher and learn that. Michael Lutton and myself. Mm -hmm. always say that we don't know how to make vocal production, but we want you to sing, but you don't have to know how to sing. Right. So how do you help people with that? Like, how do you, how do you get them to understand the music enough and then get them to sing or like kind of talk, sing on pitch? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a little, bit of a process that's what you have to do is that when when somebody's trying to talk through a song 
Michael or myself will say, sing, sing, just sing it because it slows you down. Right. You're not putting machine gun words in. You're actually singing notes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all about telling a story. And yeah. you, again, I want to put this out there too. You don't have to rhyme. People oh, try yeah. to rhyme all the time. It was like, yeah, that's, that's lovely. But you know, you were talking about love and now you have to talk about keeping your hands warm with a glove. And, and like, <laughs> right, right. Now it's, your whole story has just changed. Right. Yeah. That kind of messes up the improv because when yeah. somebody starts like just trying to find anything to rhyme where it's like, well, now how does that make sense in the story? It's tough. It makes it tough. So yeah. So it's easier to just focus on the story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how how do you, when, when you say, tell people to just sing and kind of get over that initial hesitancy to do so, cause they feel like, well, how do I sing in key and all that? How do you get them to still be kind of in key? Like, is it just um, sort of come with saying, don't worry about it? Yeah. I just tell them to listen to music and I do some exercises with, oh, we warm up and we try to sing on I pitch. See. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we try to, and some people have that. Michael calls it superpower of uh, harmony so they can hear a note and then harmonize with it. And that's always, uh, it's so cool to hear. Yeah. Especially on a music, on a megawatt night, musical megawatt night. Yeah. It really so is cool a superpower. Cause I never, yeah. like, I'm not a singer, but I, I'll sing along to stuff, but I never have really understood. Like, how do you do that? How do you harmonize? Like a vocal instructor explained it to me and I was still like, it makes sense, but I don't know how you make your voice do it when I'm listening to something. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you talk and it's an improv too, you don't talk without syntax and you, mm-hmm. you use all the things you know about language mm-hmm. when you do improv, mm-hmm. uh, you got to do that with singing as well. Yeah. Uh, there's something called scansion or scanning and a <laughs> bunch of TV commercials now. 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Yeah. Donate your car today. I was like, you would not say donate. <laughs> True, right. Yeah, that that kind of thing. And there's there's a Jardian commercial. I think it's a diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the thing is. But it's like a sing-songy not- phrasing. Yeah, that you wouldn't say it that way. Yeah, you, you just want to you want to sing the way it sounds when you say it. Right, right. Even the words, not not just the accents of the uh, of longer words. Mm-hmm. They, I can't even think of what it is. Yeah, the Jardians commercial. <laughs> <laughs> can I mention Jardians? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't. I haven't seen that commercial though, but I have seen the the cars or kids commercial. Oh yeah, um, who hasn't? Oh my god! I know they're it's all over the place. Just annoying, <laughs> and is, it's especially right. annoying when I hear "Donate your car today." <laughs> I'm like, "Geez, who writes like that? Who who talks like that?" So there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like it's there are times where I guess it's fine to not be grammatically correct, but do you have to punctuate in a way that's weird? <laughs> right, and yeah, not with the, with the words as well. You know, like uh, just even say with the words as well. If you go with the words as well, (laughs) you wouldn't talk like that (laughs) or people would. (laughs) So a musical improv, you encourage them not to talk in a funny, 
off way. Off where they off rhythm way. Went. Yeah, yeah. Right. You have to have a good sense of rhythm. Oh dang! Um, okay. I think a rhythm is more important than pitch and in, in musical improv. There were yeah. been some good people in the past too, uh, who were just not quite on pitch, but boy, their rhythm was good, and that just yeah. made all the difference in the world. Yeah, and that's is that because of pace of of the scene and 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 also pace of the, like uh, the music too. Pace of the music too. Yeah, like it just it will sound better if a person's with the rhythm of it at least. Right. Than if they're off. Like it, it is to me more jarring when someone's off rhythm. Yeah. Uh, but then also if you are just sort of this is the timing, I'm gonna stick with the timing of this one, two, three, four that's going. Yeah. It makes you just go. <laughs> and that that makes a performer just perform and go. And that makes Absolutely. As long as they're not thinking about that. Right. At exactly. first yeah. at first we have them, you know, this is you know, each line is a count of eight, blah blah blah. You gotta count eight so mm -hmm. they're doing that and then we take that away after a while and you, they start to hear it because they listen to written music yeah that's tough but people do it people people learn they grow they do yeah no some some of our best improvisers are again <laughs> i sound like my little are not the greatest singers <laughs> yeah you know another thing though of just not worrying about being on pitch and just getting in the flow of the song and getting in the flow of just letting it come out of you, the words just come out of you. That's mm. kind of the key ingredient to great live performance. That's what makes live performance so fun and great. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you're surprising yourself sometimes. It's like, yeah. Did I just say that? Or, oh, oh my God. God, you know, what's going on? Yeah. And it's pretty unreal. I just saw Speakeasy a couple of weeks ago and that just like a team of such great singers yeah. um, and and great improvisers. So they're on rhythm and then they're also singing amazingly. Yeah. <laughs> and like choreography. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they're incredible. I mean, the musical improv at Magnet is pretty incredible. I think so. We're biased, I but I mean, people, I've heard people outside of the magnet community say how good the reputation is good uh, and that's a great testament to you and your work that you've been doing so i i do hear some people say oh you know you're going to do it the magnet way i was like what's the magnet way we do songs the way they're written <laughs> right. it's like doing a play and and not using syntax or or mm -hmm. doing you know, putting a gibberish word in every once in a while when you don't know what that means mm-hmm we're doing things the way they're they're written out there. We're I, we're yeah. a tip of the hat to that. Yeah, I wonder what they mean when they say the magnet way. Because um, we do do a lot of structure. Yeah. So let's talk about that kind of structure now. Outside yeah. of the musical structure, the yeah. the song structure of how to do the choruses and the verses, and then someone has explained it on this podcast. But I'll allow you to explain it again. What is the structure when it comes to creating the lyrics part well if you start with something repetitive it's going to be a chorus mm -hmm. if you start with something that's not it's going to be a verse there's also a verse that might end in like a little what we call a tagline or a hook and that you go back to that's something you go back to and that song does not have a chorus so that sounds complicated but we teach it in eight weeks yeah yeah, yeah, and there are three levels of uh, musical yeah. improv. And the level one is 
just song structures. Mm, okay. Walk us through a song structure. Like how many different song structures do you teach? We teach, let's see, we teach verse, chorus, chorus, verse, front-long tag, back-long tag, a trio, which is for three people, obviously, and then like an opening number. Oh, wow. Okay. So as far as the, the building blocks of those, there's verses, choruses, bridges, and verses with a, with a tag. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of those styles, what would you say is most common? Different people have different yeah. things. Yeah, so it's all a big mixed bag depending Some, on the team. Yeah. yeah, sometimes we get a class and they just like to start off the bat with the with the thing, mm -hmm. with what they're singing about the 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 broad the broad brushstroke of what they're they're singing about. Uh -huh. And if they just do one line, that's a front line tag. Mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> People are going to laugh at this, but you know, it's like somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow is a frontline tag. Okay. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Yeah. Then you could do it again. Somewhere over the yeah. rainbow, you know, and then the bridge is something very different. Oh, way above the chimney, times the dun, 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 dun. Sounds very different. Yeah. And then goes back to somewhere over the rainbow. So that's it. It's kind of an AABA, a large structure. Of a verse, another a verse, and a bridge, and then yeah, back. yeah. And you, how much during shows are you kind of dictating that, or is it? I guess it's maybe a mixed bag there too, right? Like sometimes with it, the way someone started it, that gives you an yeah. idea, but they also might be influenced by what you were playing to start it. Yeah, that's possible. I, I step the whatever the ambience to begin with mm -hmm. they sing something they may not know what they're doing but at the end of the first verse i was like okay you didn't repeat anything and that maybe that back line is something that you really want encapsulates everything you're talking about mm -hmm. so that might be a backline tag so i will enforce that oh okay how do so you enforce that like from just Not how I how I play the music. How you play the music, yeah. Yeah, if I go to a chorus, it feels different. If I go to a bridge, it feels different. Yeah, and they're, you teach them to pick up on that. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, so they've become pretty musical. They have. Taking the classes, yeah. They have, and if I slow down tempo, <laughs> they, I, I like this a lot. You know, you're hitting a, coming to the end of a piece and you hit it and then da 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 you know if, if it's like dun da 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 dun da da dun 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 da 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 dun 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 then it becomes a kick line. Right. And I love choreography. I absolutely love Oh that's fun. Yeah it's it's such a cool thing. So let's talk about the the role you are playing as a musician when you are playing with people. What are you trying to look for? to start the music before we're playing I, I i looking into the scene it's something it's mostly two characters and one of them sort of wins out in what's more important that they're singing about or mm -hmm. so i will play for that person sometimes sometimes it's just uh peas in a pod and then they sing a little maybe a vaudeville number uh-huh. No, I'm Jack and I'm Jill. Together we're Jack and Jill. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, well, it's, that's just a silly song. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So wondering, because there are other musicians up there with you. Yeah. They're following your lead, obviously, but. They follow my left hand a lot. Yeah. So. That's where the, that's where the rhythm is. Ah, okay. I tell the singers that too. And I know nothing about playing piano. So the left is the rhythm. It's the rhythm. It's the bass and the, and the, uh, basically, you know, as much as I can do uh, like a drum kind of thing, you know, dun, 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 dun. I gotcha. That kind of thing. And then the right hand is just, just don't even listen to it. That's just fancy frilly stuff. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, the, the basis is the left hand. And I tell people in class that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mentioned a minute ago, a few minutes ago that I saw speakeasy, but it was secret, secret that I saw um, right. a couple of weeks ago with bookends, but speakeasy also great team. And they're different musicians that will play like, you know, it's not always the same instrumentalist who is right playing with you the time that i saw was uh, someone on a trombone and i think it was just the two of you but there also been times where there's a bassist and a guitarist you don't have like a full drum set up there ever do you right they have a what's called a cajon the thing you sit yeah. on and mm-hmm. you <laughs> tap it out so it's just a, yeah you just whatever yeah uh has anyone ever used a beat machine have you ever played with someone using a beat machine i played with a beatboxer okay we did some some raps though and they made, this is the one time I was like, oh, it's, this is, you know, Kaylee is her name. She's won awards and everything. Kayla Milady of North Coast? Ka- Kayla, yeah. Early guest of the podcast. She was like, yeah. Three oh, okay, yeah. cool. No, she's great. She's fantastic. I bumped into her the other day. She's awesome. But they made the mistake of putting us, it was in the striker stage. Oh, yeah. And they, it, yeah. they put us on either side. They were like, oh, let's, you know, make oh, it symmetrical oh, or something like that. And we were so off. Yeah, because... And we talked afterwards, I was like, what's going on? I was like, no, we're hearing each other a split second off. The mm. next time we did a show, we we were together. I was like, side. oh my God, this is what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. It was awesome. great. Yeah, that would be really tough to be away. From. Even on stage, there's that little yeah. bit of a delay that's going to make a difference. That's why they all have ear right. pods and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, inner ear... I guess that's also why people kind of, they center the drums, a lot of bands. Right, right. it's got it, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, when you're playing live, each person has to have a monitor of, of every other person on stage. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That I've done too. I did, we started with, what's the beginning of uh, a Wicked? A Defying Gravity. Uh-huh. And I was like, why is this drummer off? And it's like, cause he did not have piano in his monitor. Oh, so yeah, we heard it back and I was like, oh my God, we're on two different planes here playing together. Oh, dang. And the next time we did it, the monitor was fine and everything was, you know, again, right on because musicians go by what they hear. Right. I had a chorus line tour once that it was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and it was a big raked audience, huge. And they put us in the back. Mm-hmm. So we could not listen to what was going on on stage because there was a, like a half a second delay. So mm-hmm. we, they gave us all monitors and the drummer was not trusting it. He was like, oh, no, I hear them on stage singing and I'm going to play with them. I was like, you're not going to be with the band. You're just not going to be with the band. He did one song. He's like, all right, all right, I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> And then uh, he he had to not listen to what was going on on stage. Oh, oof. 
<laughs> That's tough. That's yeah, hard. that is. And musicians make it look so effortless. You know, like, especially like, you know, generally what people are seeing is like a good band play. So it yeah. doesn't look like there's any, it doesn't look like a slight distance or not quite hearing someone can throw them off. But of course it can. <laughs> it's yeah. still, everyone's, everyone's starting in the same place of you, we have to hear each other. Right. We have to hear each other in real time. This is why yeah. Zoom is so, it was so difficult. The time. Yeah. Oh my God. Those couple of years there, I, I had something called listen to, which mm -hmm. to, uh, put the sound a little bit more together, but it was still half a second off. Yeah. So I had, I would hear somebody sing and I was like, okay, you're back in time from where I was. So I had to adjust my playing that oh, way. Wow. So I had to think in two, uh, two time continuums at yeah. once. Yeah. Oh gosh. That was hard. That's pretty hard. Yeah. Cause like you're, you can't go off of feel as much or like adjust as much to like play towards what someone just did because right. when it's happening for you. It's not and happening. you know, I said, all you need to do is listen to me because what they were hearing, they were singing with, and that's fine. That's what was going out. But what I was hearing was that delay. Yeah. So you had to kind of ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> It's sort of like or, <laughs> or say, okay, that's where they want this to be. Okay, now that's the downbeat right. where they were, which is not my downbeat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the the weird thing that people don't know is happening in the ears of musicians or broadcasters, even because when I was in live radio doing, if you're doing a live show, you yeah. hear yourself, you hear your the okay. what's actually going out in one ear. Right, you're hearing your who you're talking to in the other. It's ear. yeah, like turn your turn your radio down. That thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah that thing, yeah. yeah. So, because <laughs> there's a delay in that situation, and so you have to ignore what's happening in one ear. Oh gosh, it was yeah, three years of practicing that or whatever, however long COVID is. Right. Oh yeah. You know, one special thing that happened right before COVID was Sean Cantatori's show. Sorry, I'm late, which you were the musician for you played yeah, all, yeah. all over that show. And one of the biggest laughs I've had since moving to New York <laughs> was a bit where the, I guess it was her and her brother doing some insane thing, some funny, yes. ridiculous song. And then you, <laughs> you stop playing and say, well, I don't know what the hell that was, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. And at that point I had seen you a million times, but I'd never heard you say anything. So it's sort of like, <laughs> You know, in Penn and Teller, hearing Teller say something, you know, it's sort of like, wait a second. <laughs> like, it was this big surprise. And you just, like, landed the the joke so well that I, I, it was a huge moment, but I was, for the whole audience, but I couldn't contain myself laughing at that moment. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> and there was one thing I, only one thing I had to worry about in that was, yeah, when I stopped playing, I still heard laughing. So I was like, I can't say anything yet. I right. got up find my moment <laughs> and I, as soon as the, the audience died down i said that so. <laughs> it was so funny oh gosh <laughs> out of the context of the silly moment that it was so it's maybe hard to tell but it's like it's just an insane song that sean did yeah it was songs it songs was like yeah 15 <laughs> songs yes <laughs> right right Oh gosh, I, I hope that show can get back up sometime. That was a super yeah, I hope show. so too. We we I think there's there's going to be a video coming out soon, and I just oh, worked with Sean last week 
on the song I Shaved My Pubes. Yes, and fiance of the show Justina is in the music video for that. She recorded that over the, she was, she was filming that over the weekend, so I can't uh-huh. wait to see it. Well, we're at the end of the episode. Been great talking to you, but let's create something together. And, and okay. maybe what is something musical that we could, like maybe you could show me how to, uh, and you don't have, we wouldn't be able to play music here. But maybe we could take one of those structures and try to figure out how to, like, maybe you could teach me how to do it in a brief way. You don't have to. Okay. Oh, that's a challenge. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a long way. It could be just like showing someone how to start off. Okay. Think of uh, uh, just any phrase that you want to repeat, if that's possible. Uh, Okay. I've got one. Um, I like milk and sugar in my tea. Let's say it. Okay. So let's see. Let's find a, a rhythm in that. Okay. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Let's see. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways we can go. I like uh-huh. milk and sugar in my tea. Okay. I like, like milk, milk and sugar. sugar in my tea. Yeah, you see, there's even a delay here. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit of a delay. Yeah. So again, it's a count of eight. Mm-hmm. There you go. One, two, three, four. Five, six, ready, go. I like, I like milk, milk and sugar in my tea. Five, six, seven, eight. I uh, like milk, milk and sugar in my tea. tea. Five, six, and seven, eight. And you do that four times. Uh-huh. And then you'd sing a verse, a verse about that. So that's your, they say thesis statement is your uh-huh. chorus. Uh-huh. Not quite that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, basically what you're talking about. And then, or basically what you're feeling too, is mm-hmm. I like milk and sugar in my tea. That's, it's got, it's loaded with emotion and. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're just talking about just a verse thing, you know, mm-hmm. just things that happen. You know, when I walk down the street and, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have trouble doing this without a piano. But... I bet. Yeah. That's the thing. When you take the instrument out of a musician's hands, it's like. Super hard. Like I've heard Sting say when he's not playing the bass, it's hard for him to remember the lyrics to his songs. I, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's done it a million times. So my immediate issue probably would be once we got past the eight, I got milk, and sugar, I like milk and sugar in my tea. Then like, once you get to the, the verse, yeah, I would probably have a hard time saying something else that match that rhythm or would I not have to match? Oh no, you don't have to match rhythm. the rhythm at all. Okay. You have to, all you do, all you Just need to match time. is that count of eight. Yeah. Okay. You know, okay, I walk okay. down the street, I see people I meet, you know, I talk about whatever, you know, we, we talk about the events of the day or it's just, uh-huh. uh, you're just creating a little story at that. I see. Yeah. And I'm just doing that at the count of eight. And so I don't have ca- to four, do it. Four counts of eight. Yeah. Four counts Just of like eight. the chorus, the same length as the chorus. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. And then it's back to the chorus after. Back to the chorus. If you want to throw a bridge in at one point, the bridge is, uh, goes a, a little askew, maybe an opposite. You know, people try to give me coffee, but I hate that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. that's basically what it is. <laughs> and you're just building on character in the yeah. time, in the time signature. That. In that time signature, yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. And then, and then of course it goes into scenes. Once the song's over, it goes into scenes about what that song set up. Right. Or it could be a scene before that song. Uh-huh. Oh, that, okay. Uh, that is brought that, back. Uh, yeah. That, that makes you go, I like sugar and, you know, coffee, whatever, and my mm -hmm, tea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've never taken a musical class before, but it's something that I definitely would be down for. So, and I love music. So I, I think, I wonder if the, the hang up for me is still thinking like, yeah, but what if I sing so bad that even you guys say <laughs> it's too bad of vocals? <laughs> so no, no I, I can tell already. That. I could tell already you have a sense of rhythm. So that's, you know, that's half the battle right there. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for being on the All podcast, right. Frank. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Super fun and informative chat. I hope you enjoyed that. He was a peach. I really enjoyed that chat myself. We will keep you up to date on that Sean Cantatori sketch that he mentioned there, especially since Beyonce of the show is in it. And in the meantime, go to magnettheater.com for information and tickets for shows. And also follow Magnet at Magnet Theater on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is. And follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Great guests coming up. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. Jason Farr.